0: Universal Pictures presents everything you always wanted to do in high school with everyone you always wanted to do it with. Hey, bud. Let's party. They're the students of Ridgemont High. Uh, Brad Hamilton, the fast food king. I shall serve no fries before their time. It says 100% guaranteed, you moron. Mister, if you don't shut up, I'm gonna kick 100% of your ass. Charles Jefferson. A man with a mission. Oh, gnarly. Linda Barrett, not exactly the girl next door.
1: Awesome. Totally awesome. And Jeff surfs up Spicoli. People on moods should not drive. (laughs) That was my skull. I'm
0: so wasted. See Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
1: make five five uh 15 an hour are we is that yeah,
0: where it, yeah 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 we, uh, perfect we're a sovereign studio so we don't follow cal- local california
1: well laws. i don't i don't know if you're aware but we actually made recon cinema studios its own country yeah exactly so we
0: we don't have to follow basic yeah. u.s law it doesn't matter so 515 i think is very generous I mean, we have our own zip code now, mm-hmm. so just like Warner Brothers, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So we have our own zip code. We have our own money, mm-hmm. and what we pay them, they spend it at Recon Cinema Studios. It's not American funds.
1: Yeah. Well, and we're the only ones that can actually leave the studio. Everyone else yeah. lives here. here, works here. They yeah. are part of it.
0: They're they're working their way to citizenship of Reconciliation, and we're dual <laughs> citizens. <laughs> yeah. So of
1: course. yeah, of course.
0: Reconsinimation nation. That's it. <laughs>
1: That's on all the money.
0: That's it is Reconsinimation Nation.
1: <laughs> well, welcome back to the show, everyone. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And this is Reconsinimation, your podcast that takes a look back at our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and we're taking a look how they hold up today and what their what their life has been like since they came out. And today we're gonna we're not gonna go back to 1978 we finally decided to leave that same weekend in 1978 yeah we're diverging from our usual
0: (laughs) yeah which has been two two movies on the same day 1978
1: yep and we're gonna fast forward all the way get ready to 1982 (laughs) just a little leap forward yeah a hop skip and a jump
0: yeah and it's uh back to school time so i think we stay within that theme right i mean
1: yeah all the kids you go everywhere you go around uh, in the nation of rican cinema there are stores mm -hmm. back to school sales are everywhere
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah all the teachers are getting their classrooms ready yeah it's gonna be oh man
1: the pencils are getting sharpened. Mm-hmm. The chalkboard erasers are getting beat. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. How you, that's how you clean those. You beat them against the
0: brick wall. Yeah. Or a, a
1: crate. Or a crate. I yeah. think a crate probably.
0: Yeah. We used to mess up the, the, the brick wall uh, well, at yeah. my elementary school.
1: Because then the marks are all over the wall mm-hmm. and that's not coming off. You'd
0: spell shit out. <laughs> you'd, you'd write words. You would write shit? Oh No. You probably shouldn't write a dirty word. But yeah. Like Dave is cool, America rules. You still do that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm just walking down the I, hall. There's Dave is cool randomly. I, I just write it wherever I yeah, feel like. People got to know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Yeah. So <laughs> it's back to school time. Oh, so yeah. we're gonna we're gonna uh, do our usual end of August, early September. Take a look at uh, a school themed movie, and this week. We are taking a look at one of the best Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Cool movie. That's cool trailer. <laughs> it's actually it's a really weird trailer because it doesn't show some of the main actors. Mm-hmm. Like they really push as you all just heard, they push Forrest Whitaker pretty hard in the trailer. <laughs> yeah. And he's such a minor character. He's barely right? in the movie. And they don't uh, they don't show Jennifer Jason Lee at all.
0: That's right she's she's the main character she's the main character basically <laughs> she's yeah. the main character of the movie i uh, think they wanted to show it on it's an ensemble kind of piece which it really is right yeah it, only, oh absolutely there's yeah. only like two main storylines kind of going on yeah. and a lot of ancillary uh tangential ha- happenings good going words on, right big Throwing word. the big
1: boy words out mm-hmm. mm. you must be getting those uh once a day emails with uh vocabulary mm-hmm. improvements i'm
0: using them yeah I'm using them uh, vociferously. That's not right. Check that box. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but Fast Times at Ridgemont High, how, what was the first time you saw this movie? I saw
0: it in, probably in college. First times, a lot of first time for everything in college, yep, you know, yep. including don't watching Fast. Let's vest. not even go there. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't, I, I was fine with this. I think I probably saw it with folks and... I think we were, you know, hanging out as you do hmm. around a group of pals, of pals friends. with some cold things and, uh, whatever. And I was, it was fine. I liked it well enough. You know, I, I had gotten out of high school already and I didn't really care to like, I wasn't nostalgic for high school, uh, in college necessarily. Like, I liked my, like my friends and all that, but, um, and I could, I couldn't relate to a lot of some of the things that were going on in this film. So, Uh, You can identify with a lot of the feelings, but, you know, and then I haven't really seen it since until, like, recently. So uh, I always had an awareness, but it wasn't something that I repeatedly watched. So
1: that's me. I saw I remember exactly when I saw it. Wow. I I also saw it in college. I didn't, uh, I did not catch it through high school or growing up it just wasn't it yeah. wasn't I don't remember it being on TV very much
0: yeah you can't really edit around this all that much probably. yeah there's a
1: lot of stuff to cut out For yeah
0: it's not really good for general audiences I think on, yeah. a, on a basic cable level
1: and this was not a movie my parents were going to rent they
0: don't like the no. things in this movie <laughs> no not. it's
1: just that it, it would do nothing for them yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah uh, but I so I saw it it was October 1998 sophomore year of college wow i was super sick i was i was sick for like i was couldn't even go to class for like a week i wow. don't i don't even know what i had because of course i didn't really go to the doctor <laughs> i just like my friends kind of took care of me a little bit and i just stayed in bed and oh my god. um, god and a friend of mine from down the hall in our dorm room brought me just a box of movies oh wow and it was all it was like billy wilders almost the entire Billy Wilder collection. Oh my gosh. And then some other random movies in there. Mm -hmm. One of which was fast times of Ridgemont high. Oh, neat. So I was, you know, just in bed and very focused on the movie. And I think that was why I really got into it Mm -hmm. because I could focus and pay attention and not think about class or what we were doing that night. Or, you know, there weren't cell phones back then. Mm -hmm. So, well, there were, there were, but you didn't have, I didn't have one yet. Um, so i I really connected with it and, and I was at that point I was still very close with my my high school friends, mm-hmm. and we had had such a great kind of end to our high school life. Mm-hmm. so at the time it was I, I had a lot of positive feelings mm-hmm. for them, so it was already kind of like nostalgic for me, sure, yeah. even, even though it was like right out of high school mm-hmm. um, yeah, really really enjoyed it greatly. I identified with, uh, with it hmm. as a whole mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, But 1982, there weren't really comedy, like, teenage comedies like this. We talked a little bit about it during our Animal House episode, which you can listen to in the archives, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm www.reconsidimation.com. There weren't, like, a lot of the teen comedies that you think of were after this movie. Yes. I I can't think of really... Name Name of teen movie. From the 70s? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can't. Right there really weren't any i yeah. mean because there was the beach you know teenage beach movies from like the 50s and 60s with frankie and annette and and that all oh, right like that whole beach boys kind of wave uh-huh. and then it just kind of faded away
0: hmm. but yeah well there wasn't a market there that people wanted to watch movies about people not not teens dancing on a beach
1: Right, well, and we know how I feel about '70s films. Yeah, so you love whole, them; <laughs> they're real and gritty. <laughs> the industry changed, and there were there were marketing movies for mostly for adults. Yeah, even Disney, all, all you know, movies for kids had we really had to figure out what their what their approach was. Mm-hmm. Um, Disney was suffering. Everyone was trying to figure out, as far as a teen audience, how to how to even like tap into them.
0: Right. How do you get them to the movies? Yeah.
1: Because they're spending all their time at the arcade, going to rock
0: shows, but they're not going to the movies.
1: But this changed everything. Enter Cameron (laughs) Crowe. Yeah. So speaking of the movie, it was a brainchild of Cameron Crowe. Who's he? Cameron Crowe is a super interesting guy, and he's had a really fascinating career, especially if you look at all the way from the beginning to today. Mm Mm-hmm. And kind of where his career is at now mm-hmm. uh, and how big it was all the way into the two thousands and what's happened in the second half of his career. Mm-hmm. It's almost like two completely different career paths mm. because he hasn't really had much success since Almost Famous. I guess. I mean
0: right, he's still still making things. I mean, he's there was still... a lot
1: of a lot of movies that were received very negatively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Hawaii right, a lot of controversy uh, on that well, that's yeah, but there's a number of them but but the first half of his career amazing, really fun, really human movies, mm-hmm. uh, and this is the first one, so you know we should probably i you know, I might want to cover Cameron Crow in more detail on whenever we do almost famous, which maybe we should do soon
0: yeah let's let's pop it in,
1: yeah,
0: um, wait, did you say Hawaii?
1: Hawaii. Yeah. Aloha? Aloha. Sorry, yeah. I, there's something
0: about that that rang
1: odd. Uh, in Hawaii. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, right. Yeah. Aloha. I was in Hawaii when that came out. Yep. So maybe that... Did you go see it? Uh, no. Okay. Neither did anyone else. Oh! Oh! Zing! Uh, but Cameron Crowe uh, was... A teenage prodigy, essentially. Mm -hmm. He graduated high school by by the time he was 16. He was a contributing writer to Rolling Stone magazine and eventually got brought on full-time and spent a lot of the 70s touring with lots of rock bands, which I think we should talk about when we get to Almost Famous. Right. Once Rolling Stone decided to leave California and move their their operation to New York he opted to stay in California and start working on his own stories mm. he pitched an idea to Simon and Schuster about a book uh, about teenage like the teenage lifestyle mm-hmm. and to do this he took a year and went undercover at Claremont High School <laughs> in <laughs> California and under the name <laughs> under the name Dave Cameron <laughs> <laughs> and was just he just studied everybody. He just sat in classrooms and hung out with people and and observed and made his notes and for, eventually formed that into the Fast Times at Ridgemont High book. Isn't that wild? It's crazy. Isn't that wild? Dave Cameron. Dave Cameron, uh,
0: d- uh, like writing a piece on teenage and, and undercover. Like he inspired Twenty One Jump Street, basically.
1: Yeah, he's <laughs> the real life Twenty One Jump Street. It's
0: real life. He found another undercover cop there. Like, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>
1: and there was a criminal ring of yeah. drug dealers. Uh,
0: and... It's amazing that like uh, almost, almost half the high school population were undercover people
1: trying to, posing as teenagers. Well, it was a training facility <laughs> yeah. for undercover, cop, yeah. t- undercover teenage cops. Yeah, but the kids <laughs> didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, but he... Uh, I think it's... You know, to do that for a whole year... That'd be tough. Right. Not, yeah. Not, Imagine that, like a friend of yours. You're in high school, living your crazy high school life. Uh-huh. And some new kid shows up one year, and you befriend him. He's coming over after school all the time, telling your you know secrets to each other. And then you find out that he's... This is
0: adult yeah. working
1: on a piece. Like, Although like, he wasn't an adult, he was. I mean, he, he was like twenty. He was in his early twenties. Yeah, so he was youthful, very early. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, he's. I mean, yeah. Not he's not a forty-year-old man doing it. <laughs> like he's fooling everybody somehow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean that's a, a fascinating thing. He's 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 always very curious about. Uh, what people are made of, I think like what, what's the inner workings. And I think that's makes sense of like that. This would be
1: a project he would have come up with. Um, but know, I think that's his best Rolling stone, you know, that's his best work too, yeah. is really kind of getting in the human psyche and, and mm-hmm. kind of seeing how real people he's always been good at making um, his characters seem real.
0: Yeah. Not like this dramatized version, but sort of uh, a, a genuine, ness. Mhm. Uh what's the different word for genuineness? Genuinity. Uh art- genuity. Uh, genuity?
1: <laughs> authenticity? Authenticity. There we go. That's yes. Yeah. I have that word in my notes. <laughs> authenticity. Is there authenticity here? Okay. Authentic. I uh, think. Yes, yes. Uh so he ra- he does this in 1979 under the name Dave uh, he's undercover. Dave, under Cameron. Dave Cameron. So if you know anybody named Dave Cameron, don't trust them. Yeah, clearly it's an alias. Yeah, and if you were in that high school in 1979, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, it was Dave Cameron.
0: It was Cameron. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's the one
1: who outed you.
0: Mm-hmm. He put you in a movie.
1: <laughs> uh, he put the the book. The book was released in 1981. Very successful. Immediately, it was uh, optioned into a film. And they went right into pre-production. Yeah, um, uh, through Universal Studios. What
0: was the name of the book?
1: It was Fast Times at Ridgemont High.
0: He called it Ridgemont High.
1: Double-check me on that, but okay. uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. All right.
1: Yep, it wasn't Fast Times at Claremont High. Could be. Well, because he didn't. It, it wasn't. A, couldn't use the same. It wasn't a biography. It oh, was, that's right. Yeah, he yeah. he was making a fictional story, but using all these real life people as a basis. One of which was uh the character of Brian Ratner, who's one of the one of the central characters in the film, was based on a person named Andy Rathbone, who would later go on to create the series of dummies books. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. AOL for dummies. Uh PCs for dummies. Uh, Macs for dummies. Windows ninety five for dummies. <laughs> Windows two thousand for dummies. <laughs> all the greats
0: <laughs> all the hits all the ones you would love and have on your shelf
1: i bought i bought a bunch of dummies books Did you? because i'm a big fat dummy what so. kind of dummy things did you have to learn chemistry there was chemistry stuff that i that i did because i was a bad bad science student so this was while you were a student you were mm-hmm. like getting the dummies books yeah, yeah oh
0: interesting this wasn't like independent learning you were you were trying to survive school. I was
1: trying to, yeah, keep
0: my head above water. Don't they then. issue textbooks for that kind of stuff? I wasn't; those weren't <laughs> working for me. You're just walking into class, like, what? Am, how am I supposed to learn this stuff? <laughs> what is, hopefully, there's a book or something.
1: Well, if I didn't like what was on the page, I just tore it out of the book. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Every time you had a negative reaction yeah. to what you read, you nope, like, nope, get out.
0: <laughs> I made it.
1: Here I am, running a studio. Fair enough. Uh, Let's see. We just did Brian Brian Radner. So the movie goes into pre-production and the ball's rolling uh, to convert the book into a film. Mm -hmm. And Universal and Irving Azoff, who's the executive producer, uh, starts the search for a director. And the first person that I would turn to for a teen comedy Uh is absolutely david lynch david lynch got the offer david lynch was one, yeah was one of the first directors to get the offer he's just coming off elephant man
0: elephant man and of course he did race her head yeah and like so after elephant man his follow-up could
1: have been fast times and amazing and doing research about that when cameron crowe talks about that meeting Uh even lynch didn't understand why he was there Uh uh-huh I mean, he took the meeting because he was, he was trying to get his career going and everything. Sure, he the meeting. Uh, I, I think all parties knew very quickly that this was not for him. So Universal
0: wanted him. Nobody else did. And even he didn't. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It
1: just did. Yeah. They were just going for... He's the, just the hot name. He's right? the hot name. Yeah. <laughs> but imagine if he had done it. What would that have...
0: Yeah, what'd that be? Because he'd have to, and he'd have to probably be pretty beholden by the studio, so it wouldn't. It'd be a real.
1: I can't even. What picture would he do it? with? Well, I don't know. I no. know Kyle MacLachlan would have been in it, and that's fine. Probably, yeah. That age, Kyle MacLachlan. I don't even oh, know who he would have played.
0: He'd be so good looking. He's good looking now.
1: Handsome man. Imagine
0: a youthful uh, Kyle MacLachlan.
1: Yeah, this would be six years. Pro- no, four years prior to Blue Velvet. mm Hmm. Hmm. Yes. Maybe he'd be um, Mike Damone.
0: I think he might be a Damone.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe a De- he's not sl- kind of sleazy enough though. No, that's true. Yeah,
0: he's, there's always a wholesomeness to him.
1: And but... he's not older looking, so uh, he wouldn't fit as Brad. No, maybe Brian Ratner. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Guess we'll never know. We'll we never know. Been in
0: Lynch's Fast Times.
1: Maybe his next project will be an alternate reality where he had made Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> Uh so the next person they turn to is Amy Heckerling, who we just talked about in our favorite episode, clueless clueless, literally
0: two episodes ago yeah,
1: isn't
0: that neat? We're back to heckerling we we're,
1: we're, we circle right back to Amy heckerling.
0: We couldn't stay away. she's wonderful
1: Amy was an n y u grad who moved to l a in the in the 1970s um, She was always pushing the female perspective and the female point of view and Ugh kids i do i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, and and trying to really get that voice heard at a time that that was not happening
0: yeah well it's not you know it's not marketable and and commercial uh for studio so it's like she's a it's an uphill battle to try to tell like a mainstream story from a feminine perspective yeah um you know and this movie is about as feminist as it can be in 1982, you know, unfortunately. I mean, the main character is uh, Jennifer Jocelyn (laughs) Glocklin. What's her name? (laughs) Jennifer Jason Leigh. Yeah. Uh, You know, she's the center of it. Of course, it is a little bit of an ensemble movie, and you have these other guys. And obviously, Cameron Crowe probably identifies more with the the male perspective on things, but gives Jennifer and Phoebe Cates a lot to do.
1: Um, but, uh, Amy Yeah, you've got, they're, they're strong female characters. For yeah. Sure. She gets,
0: she, yeah, she empowers them to be uh, they're, they're a great focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I saw more of them together. We saw a lot of them together.
1: Yeah. There's a fair amount of them together. But... Yeah.
0: But, uh, anyway, yeah. Amy Heckerling uh, int- a great choice for this.
1: Yeah. She just, uh, made a film called getting it over with about a girl who wanted to, her goal was to lose her virginity before she turned 20. So, and I think seeing that, film is what got is basically what got her this movie yeah that's perfect
0: perfect entry point
1: point. and she was always trying to make comedies her goal was to make comedies that felt where the characters felt like real people yeah and not something you know a lot of the comedies prior to prior to the 80s were really just wacky mm-hmm. you know where there was definitely characters on a screen and not real life people yeah she was always trying to make it the opposite.
0: Be real. Yeah. Be real, not zany and throwing pies, pratfalls, goofy
1: random jokes.
0: Find the humor in uh the tragedy of life.
1: Another important person behind the scenes in this movie is the casting director Don Phillips. Now, we I think we mentioned him last year back in year 1 mm-hmm. on our dazed and confused episode because mm. he was he was the casting director for that. Yep. Clearly Don Phillips knew how to cast teenage movies. Mm-hmm. He did it here. He did it in Dazed. He did it uh, in Mallrats. Oh, yeah, Mallrats. So kind of every, like every decade, he's getting kind of an iconic teenage film.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah. The the teen film of the decade, uh, finding new talent basically yeah. each time. Fresh or, faces. Yeah. But Don Phillips has been doing this a long time, right? Yeah, he's been so, around
1: for... He was working all the way through the 70s, 80s, 90s. He's a long and time. And today. and No. no. He's, <laughs> he's kind of retired now. Yeah. I think he was a producer on... Uh, he moved into producing in the later part of his career. Oh, okay. But uh, he was actually trying to retire during Dazed and Confused. And back in 93? 19- like, yeah. 19-19? And Link Letter kind of got him back in the business for a little while. Oh, wow. Uh, but yeah, he he knew where to look for these these young actors that mm-hmm. uh, had a lot of potential, mm-hmm. and but hadn't yet been exposed. Uh, so let's talk about him though. There's this actor's full th- this cast is full of of newcomers. So many of which I would go on to huge careers. Yeah,
0: gigantic gigantic cast of, uh, of then unknowns or just budding uh, fresh faces. Yeah, uh, you we've been seeing for the last thirty years. Uh, everywhere, Yeah. It's cool. It's
1: so cool to I'm, rewatch it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And you, like, it's surprising where some of them pop up too. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, and it's a perfect formula for it too. It's a slice of life film. Yeah. Where you're seeing teenagers in all kind of facets of their lives. So you're seeing yeah. them at work in the mall You're seeing them in school. You're seeing them at home. On dates. Yeah. So yeah. you've got a lot of interaction between them. Yeah. And they were able to pepper people like, like nicholas cage yeah. and anthony edwards and mm-hmm. eric stoltz who Isn't that crazy you see them but they really don't do anything they're, no. they're well and actually nicholas cage was originally cast as piccoli oh but was too young to work the hours that he would have had to work he was he was he only was 17 under, he was underage
0: yeah <laughs>
1: wow he was piccoli yeah, yeah
0: that's oh that would have been that would be he'd been pretty good there,
1: and there was a there was a bit of a question whether or not he could actually handle that role. Mm-hmm. So years later, when not that many years, but a couple of years later, when Valley Girl came out, mm-hmm. Amy Heckerling was like, "Oh, yep, he could have he could have done it. Uh, okay, yeah, got he would have been fine. Uh, I see." <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah he, he doesn't. I don't know if he has any dialogue. Even
0: no, I don't think he does. What's the three the of them
1: i don't think maybe like stoltz, one stoltz and edwards i think in the beginning they say like one or two lines but
0: yeah well and stoltz has a phone call conversation with them uh toward the end oh right yeah uh, yeah the, yeah. yeah before that yeah but you know uh, yeah they're just and then uh Forrest whitaker's in there uh you know he's the he's the star athlete
1: yeah jefferson
0: jefferson right and he's he's a big deal, but he's he's on, like all these guys live on the periphery of like the main action, For, right. for us as the audience, but yeah, they're they are part of the, the whole world. Um, it's so cool to see. Uh, wasn't uh, it's
1: oh. you know, and really, Judge Reinhold can go to his grave. Saying that he outbuilt Nicholas Cage on yeah. the movie. So. <laughs> he went by Nicholas Coppola, as yep. we all know famously that from the Coppola family.
0: Yeah. But then um, you know, he was really into building cages of various sorts and decided to integrate that into mm-hmm. his his stage name. Uh, yeah. He likes building yeah. those Faraday cages, you know, keeping the electricity out, electromagnetic fields, I think maybe. Loves those Faraday cages.
1: And that's where he lives now. Yeah, in a cage. <laughs>
0: Um, but like, so wait, so, so I, we said before, so Jennifer Jason Lee's our like main, uh, our main character, mm-hmm. uh, Cindy, right? Yeah. Uh, Stacy. Stacy. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then Phoebe Cates is her best friend. Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates. The night, the eighties don't exist without Phoebe Cates. Phoebe Cates.
1: Them? Well, and that's, this is, you know, she is part of why this movie is, has an, I, at least one iconic moment. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. there's a couple of really. Iconic things about the movie, mm-hmm. one of which is Sean Penn, who we'll get to in a second. Yeah, but the other is the that famous that pool, famous yeah. shot of uh, Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool. The pool shot that was uh, remains a big deal.
0: Yeah, that's <laughs> that is. Uh... It
1: was a shocking. It was I think it was, it was a shocking moment mm-hmm. when this came out to be in this, you know, mainstream of a movie.
0: Right. Yes, I think this is—is this—is this where we got all the? Is this the start of all the, the boobs in this the eighties? <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> this is this the is, start. Well,
1: I mean, you also kind of get it in the horror, you know, in horror movies because oh, you saw it in Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth and and that kind of stuff. But, but they, I think those that, go hand in hand. Right? Correct. Yeah, that that became its thing. Yeah. But this was, I believe, this was one of the very first. Comedies, mainstream comedies, studio films that you know where you'd see that,
0: yeah, I mean, very explicit too, not just sci- you know. Oh, like no, it's done
1: completely sexually, the, the,
0: the, yeah. charged, yeah. Um, yeah, we so we have that, yeah. that changed a lot of people,
1: a lot of uh, a lot of young, a lot of people grew up that day, <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> the day they saw
1: a lot of boys became of men, boys, yeah. Um,
0: but Sean Penn, of course, is in it. It's weird. It's almost like he was. I don't know. Is Spicoli a character in the book? I don't. I don't. I know. haven't read
1: the book. You. It's really hard to find. It's like two hundred bucks on Amazon now to really. get a copy of the book.
0: Um. But he, I. I got the sense of like they had once they had Sean Penn, and once they had what he's doing, like they. I felt like they added more to it. Like, but maybe not. It just seemed like well, we got him. Let's just keep doing scenes with him or include him in on. Like the the fact that he shows up at the the hospital for the for that you know the biology thing. There's like I'm I'm here today
1: like yeah. just like to include him in the scene. There were I mean they were Cameron Crowe was rewriting a lot of the dialogue kind of almost all the way through the movie. Oh okay. And Sean Penn was doing another project not simultaneously but there was some crossover. Mm-hmm. So when he would come back to do his scenes, like this, the dialogue had completely changed. Oh, wow. So they would, they I, I believe they actually had cue cards for him, not because he couldn't uh-huh. remember his lines, but because they were completely new lines. They're just throwing him in, yeah, too. Yeah. So. Oh, wow. But this is so unlike every other role that Sean Penn's done. Right. This is his only. He's done a few lighthearted movies and and I think a couple of comedies mm-hmm. but this is the furthest he's gone as as a as a comedy performance. Mm-hmm. And spico- and it, and it worked great. I mean Sean Penn is a, as we talked about on at close range which you can find in the archives. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic actor. Uh he doesn't do a lot anymore mm-hmm. but so many of his 80s and 90s performances were so strong. Mm-hmm. And he was a big name then. And I highly recommend people go check out his early stuff. Yeah. But even around this time, he was doing, he had done Taps, right. which is a heavy movie. Yeah. And then Bad Boys, which is a very heavy movie, and Fal- The Falcon and the Snowman. Mm. Uh, all of those are really intense dramas. And right in the middle of that, he kind of sidetracks and does this kind of lighthearted comedy that he would never do again. Yeah. And he's a method actor, so on set he was only to be called Jeff. Call him Jeff. He he <laughs> was that character like twenty four seven when he was shooting the film.
0: Imagine uh, as an actor being in that headspace like that whole time. Yeah. Like that's gotta be that's gotta be so draining. I mean yeah, any of that method acting where you're you're doing it twenty four seven. It's gotta be a lot.
1: Yeah. I mean well, you're doing it months at a time.
0: Yeah uh i think bringing that sort of intensity uh that's what really made it made it sing and because piccoli does again it's just there's something about him he's 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 very much on the side he's got this he's got this little b story or c story going on with himself but he's just kind of there
1: he's got the comedy stuff mm-hmm. you know the, everyone else has some a mix of funny moments but in more you know serious drama Mm -hmm. i mean it's all portrayed lightheartedly yeah yeah but they have the more serious real things that teenagers deal with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. whereas his his struggle they each have their own struggles his is just to make it through school Mm -hmm. while not wanting to be have anything to do with it
0: yeah i mean he still shows up every day but he shows up late yeah you know he's doing the bare minimum to survive yeah he knows this is not for him.
1: Which we all knew. We all knew Spicoli-like characters. Sure. Yeah,
0: I think. I mean, everyone in this movie is a you. You can identify any of these characters. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know? I mean, we're not all that different.
1: <laughs> well, the, each of them is fitting a type, but you can identify with that type. Mm-hmm. You knew a couple of people who maybe they weren't as a surfer dude, you know, all the way a surfer dude like Spicoli, but you knew the, you know you know hipster like lazy Mm -hmm. you know cool guy who didn't want to be in class but was a hell of a lot of fun to hang out with Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you knew the 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 brad type character which is judge reinhold who was almost like an older brother to people and trying to be mature and and Mm -hmm. do the right thing and be like the leader Mm -hmm. uh there's yeah that's what's so great about this movie and these characters
0: which one are you the most like like which one are you? You think?
1: I'd say Linda. Linda? I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> did you?
0: Did you? Uh, no, did me. Take, I take probably would have been your... in high school. Yeah.
1: Oh, probably. Oh, not probably, but Ratner for sure. Yeah, that's me.
0: That's you. Oh yeah, yeah. And that's probably my closest. I feel like I'm, you... a, I, I'm my own guy, but
1: I don't know. You're kind of demonish. You think I'm doing... with you <laughs> no. and the tickets that you're selling <laughs> yeah. on the side I'm all the scalping time, scalping all day. Well, you do it for fun. You like the scalp. Just I don't the... like.
0: I don't do it for the money. I do it for fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thrill, baby. You do it for the juice. <laughs> Actually,
1: people probably say I was more like Mr. Hand. I think I'm Mr. Hand now. <laughs> yeah. No, you'd be you'd be the other teacher, Vincent Chevelli, Oh, you'd yeah. be him.
0: I could. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's me. Okay, <laughs> that's me in high school. <laughs>
1: And it's funny, for as big of a cast uh, that's in this movie, Mm -hmm. there are huge names that didn't get cast in this movie that were up for parts. Who? Tom Hanks was up for the Brad role. Ah. Which I could absolutely see. Bosom Buddies, you know, Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah. Could have totally been that role. Yeah, he'd be great. I wonder... I guess his career would have just gotten started. His movie career would have just gotten started earlier than it did. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would have ch- changed his trajectory at all. No. Not sure about Judge. Mm. What would have happened with poor old Judge, but Uh Matthew Broderick was up for Spicoli, <laughs> really? which was a different choice.
0: I'd love to see that audition tape <laughs> if it exists.
1: I mean, I could see I could see a Ferris Bueller. Yeah. Ferris Bueller Mm-hmm. you can see is tied to Spicoli. Yeah. There's a lot of parallels. Maybe not on the surface, but if yeah. you look at the core of those characters.
0: Yeah, not really into the the whole establishment mm-hmm. of, of school and all of that. And, yeah. And not giving a care. Yeah, I get it. Uh,
1: so I but, wonder if that would have been his approach to it.
0: I guess so. But, like, you would have to... I mean, it's... Did they lean into, like, the stoner vibe because of how Penn was doing it? Or... You know, would Broadwick be, be that stoner guy? I mean, I guess like, I'm sure you could play that, you know? I don't know.
1: I think, uh, you know, again, I haven't read the book, but I, I believe it was written leaning that direction, mm-hmm. the stoner dude. Yeah. But I feel like Sean Penn took it, and if you know anything about Sean Penn, I he think... would have taken that much further.
0: Got it, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, there's an...
0: There is something extreme about Spicoli versus his, even his buddies. Who I'm, again? They, yeah, they don't get a lot of screen time, but uh...
1: yeah, just when they walk in the the burger joint and like you know, oh, yeah, they take their, they take shirts, their off. shirts off like, <laughs> like immediately. And then Brad's there, like, "Hey, put your shirts on." Yeah. <laughs> and Sean Penn was even like putting stuff in his eyes to like to look uh, to look bloodshot. Like, and... Yeah, bloodshot and stone. And yeah. he was you know torturing himself. But... God, what a nut job. <laughs> um. Jodie Foster, Michelle Pfeiffer, Diane Lanes, Diane Lane, Brooke Shields and Ellen Barkin were all up for Stacy. Wow. Which is Jennifer Jason Leigh. Jennifer Jason Leigh. I mean, those yeah. are all of these names go on to within the 80s become huge stars on their own. Yeah, yeah. Um and I think I feel like all of them could have done a a good job at that. There's I, I really I really enjoyed Jennifer Jason Leigh in it though. Yeah. She she looks like a real person
0: yeah there's something about she, her she doesn't look like a hollywood actress yeah she's like all tight up tightened up and, and thin and and she's very obviously very youthful looking too yeah you could buy her as like 15 16 yeah
1: she definitely seems on the younger side yeah uh, whereas like if they had cast michelle pfeiffer it would have been you know that skinny perfect look and and yeah. nobody looks like that in high school not really you are you still look there's a piece of you that looks like a little kid mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't feel that way when in the moment but when you you know anyone who looks back at their pictures you see like oh my god I look like a baby you know that's true yeah and and Jennifer Jason Lee has that energy still mm-hmm. um, and that would you know, you know she would have mature as her career blossomed but I think she was really excellent casting particularly yeah, good casting with that move
0: yeah, upon rewatching again, and I've seen it bef- between New college and and for our show, and uh, she she's very charming in it, in the showing that sort of youthful innocence, but then traversing like the complexities of you know being a embracing the sexuality and wanting to be with someone, and she she has a whole arc that that completes the film. Like she's and getting... she pulls it off like she's so timid and whatever. And like Linda sort of guides her in the beginning. And then once she's in her world of like, you know, trying to find the right guy, um, she, she's full on. She's not like timid about every choice she makes. Mm-hmm. She's, she's very purposeful. Like that, that's what you would expect. Like this is like, that's why Heckerling, uh, is a great choice for this. Like making sure that these women are making their choices, um, navigating this world. Um, I don't know. I, I I just really enjoyed her performance. Uh, watching it again.
1: Yeah, and she's got the heavy storylines. Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's there's a lot going heavy, on. <laughs> yeah, a lot heavier than I remembered too.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's portrayed very matter-of-factly because it's these are real problems that the teenage teenagers face. Like, and it, they're not going to over-dramatize it. You're not going to like present it like it's that it's just striking under their core and it's just so. Uh, these are heavy things that at some point a teenager is going to deal with. And, yeah. and you know, it doesn't necessarily dramatically change you overnight. You know, you, you kind of roll with it.
1: No, you're right. They, these characters are crossing issues that every teenager interacts with at some point, yeah. whether it happens to them directly or it's happening to a friend of theirs or a friend of a friend of theirs or yeah. a cousin or something. Yeah. It's these are everything that happens in this movie are real, real issues at its core. Yeah. Um, the, some of the other actors that didn't get, pa- didn't get cast for the Linda role, which is Phoebe Cates, Melanie Griffith, uh, Tatum O'Neill, our mm. friend from bad news bears mm-hmm. and Justine Bateman. Ooh, interesting choice. I couldn't, I can't see Justine Bateman in that role at that at time. that
0: age. That, yeah. I don't that, know.
1: Uh, uh not facts of life. Um uh, Family Ties. Family ties. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I could, there's something that Phoebe brings to it uh that when interacting with uh being a guiding force mm-hmm. for Stacy and for Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah.
1: and this is all these characters exist in a world essentially without adults. Yeah. Right, 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 right. I mean you the only ones that you see you see Stacy's mom for, like, half of a scene. Mm-hmm. Like, she says one line, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and then the teachers. Right.
0: Well, then, that, and when, think about, like, your best memories from being a teenager. Do any of them involve adults? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I mean, obviously, like, fam, familial things sure. happen. But, you know, there's so many, so many brand new experiences happen with other kids. Oh you yeah, know, like absolutely. You, you do you do most of your growing out in the world. And that's yeah, this world is showing you that. It doesn't matter where the parents are. It doesn't matter where the other teachers are or anything like that. This is just the world they're navigating. They don't need that guidance or or yeah. any kind of interference. Like it's always assumed the parents are interfering in their lives. You know, there's all, it's always assumed that the, uh, the adults are a force that they have to deal with, but this is their little microcosm. This is their world. You know, like we said, like sort of with Clueless, it's like, there's that language between teens and all of that, that it just, it's just outside the adults, uh, understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of that, even though adults can like, relate to the issues these teens are going through. It's not, it's, there's an incompatibility. there. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, at that point in high school, especially as you're getting to the mid or second half of high school, most teenagers, they may have a fine relationship with their parents. A lot don't. Sure. But most of them, other than having dinner together, really didn't want to have much to do. You wanted you wanted that freedom. You wanted to get out of the house and yeah. get with your friends and go where go to the mall or you know back then when malls were a thing. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Isn't it fun watching the, like, how kind of cool would that be? Like, we don't
0: have the, the choice. Back then, they don't have the, a lot of the choices in, in terms of, like, what you can do with your time. Mm-hmm. So you go to the mall, you socialize, all your friends are there. Yeah. Some of your friends are working, and you're just spending your time. You're not even necessarily shopping. Yeah. Kind of sounds like a lot of fun,
1: <laughs> right? Like- it was. <laughs> and I by the time I got to... High school arcades were not like a big thing anymore. That was much more of this when this movie came out. Much more of an '80s thing, and was kind of by the by the late '80s there were the arcade. I mean, there were still arcade games, but everyone went to the arcade. That was not as much of a thing anymore. Right.
0: Well, and plus, you know, video games became more and more for kids. Exactly. Of how they were, you got them at home too. Yeah, and you had them at home. So, uh, but
1: going to the mall was still the big thing. mm Hmm.
0: Like seeing that th- three-story indoor mall, and every like the the crowds and the all the stores and people working, and like that's what you're doing on a Friday night. Yeah. Like you're, I don't know. It's like because like every and then it closes at like nine o'clock. Yeah. Like and you just go home. Yeah. Like There's nothing else. And then you go home do. and go to bed. There's nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> but were, yeah, all the socializing was at least in, in my town and many many others. I'm sure was was done at the mall. It, w- it was you didn't even buy anything. Like, mm-hmm. we would just go and you'd walk the mall with your friends, but everyone would be there. Mm-hmm. So, it was like, I don't know. It wasn't a party, but it was it was definitely a big social experiment, yeah, I felt yeah.
0: like. Well, because you see each other at school all day. Yeah. But now you're free of the adults and you're doing your own thing. Yep. So, power dynamics change mm-hmm. and, you know, you 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 see people that you talk to in class, but you're not going to really talk to them. Not because they're... Yeah. Not that they're anything... Else. You don't look a lot at them differently, but they're not part of your little group. Like, it'd be kind of weird to talk to them at the mall, yeah. Versus talking to them at school.
1: When I was at Suncoast, my favorite place in the world, mm-hmm. uh, the dynamics with people that I was in school with would completely change. Because mm-hmm. at Suncoast, I was like that was like a cool job to sure. have, and so I was perceived differently. Mm. But I remember it very similar to the. Brian, the R- Brian Ratner and Stacy storyline, where he's working at the movie theater and she's at the uh, pizza pizza place. Hmm. So I, where Suncoast was located in the Jefferson Valley Mall, I could see this. Uh, it was called Piercing Pagoda. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a chain or it's like an totally piercing. Is. it is right, yeah, or at least guess. on the East Coast. I
0: definitely had one of those at my yeah. mall, at the Viewmont
1: Mall, and there was Piercing Pagoda Girl um. that I watched like. <laughs> from afar yeah. and debated about like I should just go over there and talk to her yeah. and, for guy. like weeks and then months and then uh and I never got the courage to do it.
0: Ah. <laughs> did you know did you ever learn her name I'm sure or anything? I like think that? it was
1: Lauren. Okay.
0: Shout out to Lauren. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Lauren former piercing pagoda girl. Yeah. And actually <laughs> When I went to school, I would come back, and she was she was there for a long time so oh, you really? must have stayed and gone to like yeah. community college or something, but
0: I remember going to the that the mall wasn't really a big hangout thing when I was in high school, so but you'd see you'd still see people if you went, but you went to the mall because you had to buy something mm. not to hang out um I think I remember the either the, my first holiday after freshman year of college or maybe the next summer being at the mall doing something I saw my buddy Ryan from from high school we weren't tight we didn't we didn't even hang out outside of school but it'd be like like, oh like oh and i remember like trying to like get his attention and i think this was he now had a girlfriend and he just like big time me oh no like he didn't even want to say hi like we're we're older and different now like i was like oh okay well so i I remember like trying to get his attention i know he saw me and uh i was like oh okay ryan's got a girlfriend ryan's ryan's not that guy anymore so Mm. Uh, it's just funny like I said like you don't you may not talk to people in the mall that you talk at that school that's what happened (laughs) like he's not talking to me now
1: well I just want to apologize because I know I do that to you (laughs) yeah here at the studio you you, you big time me a lot (laughs) when we're not recording (laughs) in front of everybody else it's embarrassing I get pleasure out of it
0: it's very embarrassing for me
1: but I kind of miss those days of the the mall I, I just remember it being so much drama Oh. You know when when you got into the dating the dating age, yeah, and girls and they're like, ever there's a lot of secrets and you know there are secrets. games being played and mm-hmm. you know a lot of well, what did he what did he mean by that? Like analyzing everything that somebody said that yeah, does she like me? Does that mean that she likes me or does she doesn't like me? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know that kind of that kind of stuff. Yes, I guess I don't miss that really. But. Yeah, that sounds like hell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds awful.
1: Yeah, well, and malls were uh, the mall culture was a, a, a particular thing, and it yeah. was from a, a very specific period. And malls are still around, but I don't, I don't see it the same way.
0: No, and you know, it's, it's funny because like our malls, our teenage mall years, are very different than the, the, the that core eighties. Like being a teenager in the eighties and going to a mall, very mm-hmm. different than us in the nineties.
1: Um, well, we had we definitely sure. had a, a, a vibe of all the people who worked. You know, sure. There was it was a whole different. It was it was like school, just mm-hmm. in a different place. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who worked in which stores and who you liked and didn't like and your interactions. Like my my best friend worked at service merchandise. Hmm, nice. Right, above, a couple of my friends did, mm-hmm. um, and we would you know try to take breaks together and and uh, I don't know. There's always. There's always a lot happening at the mall. It felt like. Okay, yeah, yeah. Obviously,
0: because you worked in one, you spent a lot more time and had that more of that interaction. I only
1: patroned the mall. Mm-hmm. I didn't work in the mall.
0: I it felt like a big deal when I could go to the mall <laughs> in my van.
1: I remember the first time I drove to the mall on my own. Ooh, that was a big deal. I bet. Yeah. Well, in my town too, there was the mall was like the only thing. We didn't have much, mm-hmm. you know. We didn't have sidewalks. Didn't have streetlights. Mm. Couldn't really go anywhere at night. There was no mm-hmm. town center that, any like where, where anybody went. Mm-hmm. The park would shut down at night and get locked up. Mm-hmm. So, and then there weren't any lights there if a baseball game wasn't going on. Yeah. So, so there was nowhere to go except the mall or somebody's house. Right. 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 Yeah.
0: Huh. And that. Wow. Yeah. I got to say, uh, Stranger Things season three has that whole. I mean, it's good there's a whole arc at the mall, a lot yep. of things at the mall and the way they really kick things off at the mall. It mirrored a lot of what you saw in, in this movie. time. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's like direct inspiration in terms of how they presented it, presented the activity and really get the vibe mm-hmm. of the whole thing. I yeah. thought I was like, I kind of had a little more respect for the stranger things just for doing it that way. Uh, you know, in that sort of, um, revenant kind of way. Yeah, they revenant, did they revenant. actually
1: did a good job. I I didn't think about it at the time watching it that yeah, yeah. they they definitely tapped into a fast times vibe there for sure. Yeah. Good old uh, Steve. Steve. Uh so the the kids on the
0: bikes, the bike Whatever the their names were.
1: <laughs> Those four-year-olds on the bike. That girl <laughs> Favorite characters from Stranger Things. <laughs> that girl from X-Men. <laughs> That X Men girl, <laughs> the X Men girl. Anyway. That's what that is, right? <laughs> X Men <laughs> Junior. It's basically that show. Yeah. Uh, so the movie was shot in uh, uh, November and December 1981 in Los Angeles at the the big locations were Van Nuys High School ah. uh, and the Sher- the original Sherman Oaks Galleria, ah. which you, David, might I mean, ri- recognize from other films such as Commando.
0: I. I, I suppose I'm gonna take your word for it
1: <laughs> uh, but the Sherman Oaks Galleria was a was what you see in the movie it, mm-hmm. that was the mall they shot it overnight they mm-hmm. would shut when when the mall shut down at nine they would roll in and film till nine in the morning yeah. which had to be pretty tough on everybody but yeah shooting nights is is hard but.
0: watch it yeah watching that I'm like well wait, they're using the whole mall and they're using these stories. I'm like mm-hmm. they've got to be shooting this after hours yeah so, I, yeah it just there's no oh, yeah, other, you can't yeah. shoot around an operating mall Not really no i mean not the way they
1: did it not the way they did it Yeah, because they're capturing everything you know they're they're doing shots at sea deep across the mall mm -hmm. you know the arcade is filled with people Mm -hmm. um but it looks like and based on the credits it looks like
0: basically every business that was in the mall is real or in the movie is the real business at the mm -hmm. time yeah so like there really is perry's pizza in the mall they got a special thanks you know yeah they're not changing the storefronts or doing it like just and i'm sure like most of the things in the mall they're not part of a larger corporation like not that. today's mall yeah like there's no independent stores in malls today i don't think i mean there are i'm sure but not in, there are
1: but you you couldn't there are most of them are owned by bigger companies yeah and you have to get permission for everything and back then it was more local shops that if you got permission from the mall that's I believe that sort of represented. all... I mean, you probably had to also get permission from each shop, but oh sure, it wasn't as difficult of a, a mountain to climb. Yeah,
0: that's kind of, that's pretty neat. But that does the mall in the movie? Is it? I've never been to the Sherman Oaks Galleria. Does well, it you exist? can't.
1: You can't, can't go to it. It's what? It was. Uh, it was actually destroyed in the basically destroyed in the 1994 earthquake. Oh shit! So that mall. The Northridge quake? Yeah, the Northridge quake. Okay. It basically ceased to exist there and then was completely demolished in the late 90s. I see. And by the time I got here in 2002, uh, it had just been rebuilt and reopened, and it's not laid out anything like in the movie. It's an an outdoor mall. Mm -hmm. It's designed completely differently. There's not... I don't think there's nearly as many shops as there was at, yeah. at this time.
0: Got it. I, I drive along the 405, and there's the Sherman Oaks Gallery. Yeah. I see it. We'll take a stroll through there. We'll, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll hold hands. We'll live tweet.
1: We'll live tweet. We'll do a
0: live tweet. <laughs> okay. take, give me a tour. <laughs> Point things out to me. And Van Nuys High School. Was that Michael J. Fox's High School in Back to the Future or not? I believe it was. It seems like it was. Yeah. I'm looking at the front of it. I'm like, is that... Is that the old high school?
1: I'm pretty sure it is. That, I'm, looking, there, at, I'm looking it up. There wasn't that many... You know, there's so many 80s teen, teen movies. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was that many high schools that they went to. I think it was only like like four or five that they would just keep going to.
0: Mm. Mm. Anyway, let's keep going.
1: I'm, I'm looking this up, though. Okay, good.
0: good. <laughs> I need to know.
1: <laughs> but like I said, these... Nope, it's not. It's not. Which one... Was um, uh, Back to the Future.
0: Whittier High School. Whittier? In Whittier, California. Oh, that's further away. Yes. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's on Philadelphia Street. Okay. In Whittier. But a lot of those buildings had that same, the very, like, the sort of um, off-white color yeah just you know no personality to it not a lot of architecture just sort of this block yeah that's why it kind of you could, and looking at pictures i'm like yeah it looks kind of looks like
1: that. you could feel the i always felt the vibe of like the 50s yeah you know yeah these are institutions yeah they are they are just buildings yeah where
0: you you go to learn and that's it
1: and the style was so old like yeah. the, the, those buildings back then they had been around and a lot of schools have, at this point, have had to go through remodels and expansions. Like all the schools in my hometown mm-hmm. are, I think, triple the size now. And wow! Been, like they've just built around the shell of the school that was there when I was there. Wow! Um, that is just expanded in totally different energy and a different look and much more sleek and modern looking. Wow!
0: Yeah, I guess you have to have that. Like when I where I grew up in Scranton, Pennsylvania lot of catholic schools all over the place catholic very catholic lots of schools and as the uh as time went on i mean the population of those schools continued to diminish and then then they built a giant high school public high school and then that was it like that 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 was the end there's only a couple of there's a handful at best of like catholic high schools Mm -hmm. um maybe one or two i think in the area that that would serve as an alternative to the public school but you know the further away you get of course they're out there but it's like there were you know there were whole basketball the basketball diocese the diocese had the basketball teams and i mean there'd be like 12 teams playing each other throughout Mm -hmm. the season like it's insane yeah (laughs) and that that's all gone they all merged all the schools merged yeah shut down and and my old high school turned into some sort of office building (laughs) wasn't a big school though Let's buy it out. Yeah, they put an elevator in it. Let's buy it out just to demolish it Just blow sell it. it. Only one school that I went to exists still. Wow, and that's my college. I'm the gone. opposite. Oh. My college
1: is gone. Oh, my dear beloved college. R.I.P. Yeah, Santa Fe
0: C- College C- of Santa Fe. College yeah. of Santa Fe. There we go.
1: Yeah. Um, what were we talking? But about? anyway, back to past times. <laughs> <laughs> So again, we we touched on it earlier, but these yes. all these characters are dealing with heavy issues as as you do in co- in high school. Yes. I feel like me in particular, mm-hmm. I kind of skirted around a lot of those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh mostly because I was very insecure and very afraid to get to a point where I'd have to deal with some of these. Yes, you know? of course, yes. <laughs> Um not now. Now I dive headfirst into all the Whoa. deepest, darkest, heaviest issues. Oh my issues. god. Wow. <laughs> You're prepared. <laughs> Mostly murder. But, <laughs> okay. Um Yeah, we've got uh, you know virginity as a theme here, losing your virginity, uh a lot of you know issues with sex and and how Stacy is kind of in a, in a rush to like a lot of teenagers are around that 14-15 Mm-hmm. age uh, you know sex before romance right like they're yeah. getting into the physical stuff everyone's experimenting mm-hmm. you know and, and the make out parties the closets the spin the bottles and that doesn't happen in this movie but there's none of that <laughs> <laughs> no but but we assume they're getting into the physical stuff without you know doing that first and then the emotional psychological stuff the yeah. romance mm-hmm kind of comes later which is really the opposite of how it's supposed to work but
0: right well i mean yeah the well the way like linda shows stacy like just just have sex it's nothing i did it when i was 13 just get it over with because there's something to just having it having it out of your system and then you can sleep with whoever you want and Mm -hmm. it's fun and do it you know do whatever you want and learn how to be you know uh, uh like learn how to be empowered by that um so like it's just a, it's a cultural thing of like how they should view sex and is yeah like, th- there's not a real big question about like what's correct but stacy goes through an arc by after having a, a few different encounters and uh, uh and a, a one romantic date that didn't go well that she you know she tried to force sex on on, well, on to rat yeah. you know like and he wasn't having it like he you know it was awkward and she just felt rejected and i was like screw that she, I, she wants to go s- Sleep with boys, and then by the end, she comes to the conclusion: like, no, I really do want the romance. I want the relationship. Yeah, she, she goes through, doing it she,
1: she goes through so much, and she goes through more than any anybody else in this movie. Yeah, hands down. Like, she's got major <laughs> issues she's dealing with. Oh yeah, and it's it's um, it's nice to see her make it through that and not be, you know, still be kind of a positive person. Yeah, you know, not be brought down by by the heavy issues she's got. Yeah, there's a there's a positivity to the whole thing. Like you're going
0: to go through hard times, you're going to have your friends, you're going to feel you're going to have those like betrayals and and difficulties and you know, you're going to have these Nimrods that come and go in your life that you mm-hmm. don't care about, but then like when Brad and Spicoli are there at the at the end of the movie, you know, they were at the beginning of the movie together and he, Brad was giving them shit and then you know, Brad stops a, a robber. Yeah. And then like they have that shared moment where like Spicoli just watched him do it. Like, yeah. how awesome is that? Yeah. Like two guys that would never talk to each other, hang out, give a shit about each other. Like they have that moment. Um, you know, it's just like, this is one little relationship. Yeah. You know, I think we all have that. I have memories of like kids, dudes I wouldn't talk to necessarily, but we have these like really random shared moments Yeah, that, that, you know that's they're there they're just part of it they're part of the tapestry
1: well and especially like at, at that after that scene you could see spicoli would like think brad is the coolest guy yeah I and think they would they could grow to be friends just through that shared experience yeah
0: that could open that up yeah not everything is uh um the way it is in high school necessarily yeah. every year but um yeah you're right like she, she, but stacy goes through the biggest thing she's changed but it doesn't mean she's like again, it's positive. There's not that angst that goes with it. Mm-hmm. Like as though every change, every obstacle is so dramatic and and difficult and burdensome. They are burdens, but that doesn't mean you can't get through them. And that's 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 the side Heckerling, I think is showing you. Yeah, like, you're gonna get through it. You know, we're not seeing the drama of her Stacy laying in bed at night thinking about it, wondering, go, agonizing. It's like no, we see her. She's got to go to school and she's got to get through the day and mm-hmm. hang out with her friends and maybe pursue another boy and yeah. all that. Like you, you can be affected, but you, you, you just have to push through. That's what high school is. Like, yeah. You just have to get through it.
1: Well, and she's getting pushed by yeah. Linda, like right in the beginning to, to make a move on this hot older guy yeah. who works at the, uh, who works at the stereo store, yeah. his stereo salesman. And, you know, she does. She, she kind of feel. I, I think she feels pushed in. She's attracted to him, but she's yeah. letting herself get pushed into it. Yeah. Makes the move. She's 15. He's God knows how old. He says 26. Yeah, he <laughs> says 26. But um, And they do. He, they, they go on this, what she's hoping is a romantic date. Mm-hmm. And he takes her to the dugout of a the dugout. baseball field. <laughs> yeah. And she loses her virginity and you know, it's not really an enjoyable experience. Right. Um, and then she's, you know, she's like you said, she's still looking for, looking for love throughout the whole movie Mm -hmm. and where that path kind of takes her, takes her to Ratner who is hesitant and has his own issues. And he's nervous to, um, you know, he's not emotionally ready to go there. Right. So she's the aggressor, which ends up pushing him away. Mm hmm. She turns to the next available guy, which is Damone, mm-hmm. who has maybe the worst sex scene. Oh not not God. filming wise, but for their Just, experience. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, boy, that's like that's awesome. You such... know,
1: she's again like making all the moves and he's he's going right along with it, and mm-hmm. they have I mean, it's not even ten seconds, I don't think, that yeah. they're having sex and he impregnates her. Yeah. And then she's got the heaviest thing, which is an abortion that yeah. she's got to deal with. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, they and and, the, and then the this guy who's been ignoring her for the last month says, "Yeah, he'll take her and pay for it, pay for half." Then he doesn't show up, and
1: I mean, he's a, he, he well, and you you he, see that moment with him that he is he's he doesn't have for all his scalping and swindling that he does, he actually doesn't have any real money. Yeah, um, so he's trying to call in all his markers to help pay for it. He's unable to do that, and he panics. Like teens do. They mm-hmm. don't know how to handle these situations, especially big stuff like this without an adult. Yeah. Um, so he just disappears.
0: Yeah. Big times her.
1: And she's got to have Brad take her to the clinic without admitting where she's going.
0: Yeah. That's such a nice scene where he 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 realized what she's doing. If really, she's not going bowling and follows her. And then he's just like he gets this nice big brother moment to, yeah. to take care of her. Yeah, drive her home. You know, get her and get her some food. Like, yeah, hungry? Let's go. Like, you know, she's she's forever changed by this. Like, she'll be talking to her therapist about it in Mm ten years. But she's just going. Like, she's just continuing on. They're continuing on their lives. Well,
1: and And, that that scene to me is such a great moment because that's Brad actually doing what he wants to be doing, mm -hmm. which is being that big brother Mm -hmm. and doing the right thing. Yeah, you know, and he and he helps her. He he helps her out. Doesn't, doesn't judge. He like, doesn't judge the, yeah. the judge doesn't the judge. judge. <laughs> uh, and he doesn't kind of rat her out to their parents either. Yeah. And just, it's a moment between the two of them mm-hmm. without even realizing it. Like that's his character. That's the character, the person he wants to be.
0: Yeah. Well, and it's funny. Cause he doesn't even fit in the adult world that he's trying to, you know, assimilate to like working. He's, he's had three different jobs throughout the movie. Uh, you know he gets fired for like losing his temper then he can't handle the the bs of being this, the delivery guy and this terrible mm-hmm. food and he just throws it all out the window screw yeah. this and the pirate pirate <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then uh you know he has this like heroic moment for for stacy but not really heroic he's not a hero but he's a he's just a good decent brother mm-hmm. um and then he has the heroic moment at the um the mini mart yeah, uh, or the Mighty Mart, which is a real place. Yeah. <laughs> like yep. special thanks to Mighty Mart. It looks yeah. so fake. Like. But
1: <laughs> yeah, that totally seems like a uh, like, like a movie name. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, no, it a no. That was one. a real
0: place. It's probably a real hole in the wall. They probably dressed it up pretty a little bit. Yeah. But, like the signage was terrible. Like it just looked so bad. Anyway, uh, but yeah, like Judge Reinhold at the at the at the ninth inning, just to, like gets he gets something great from all of his experiences mm-hmm. his struggles uh i don't know like he, every, everybody gets a little something
1: yeah and he, he's got an interesting arc too, kind of an up and down kind of storyline because in the beginning it seems like he's got every everything's going his way mm-hmm. you know he's got a girl he's been with for a while he's got his car mm-hmm. that he loves mm-hmm. which by the way my favorite moment in this movie is him washing his car
0: (laughs) he's having a great time
1: he is having way too good of a time he's super excited about watching
0: yeah all he says on the beginning of the movie six more payments this baby's mine like you know but did you ever
1: like when you had a car that you loved? did you ever like wash it and dance around and like laugh at yourself (laughs) like he's i've never seen anyone have such a good time
0: i think people are i think a young person who gets their first car and is proud of it i think there's there's an exuberance to it i bet
1: hey when i had my chrysler sebring convertible uh-huh. i loved that car yeah i didn't do that though you didn't take care of it i like washed that? it but i didn't yeah. dance around and you're, do that you're missing out anyway that just cracked me up <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but his character you know he's got it made he's got everything going his way he's kind of the he makes it seem like he's the big shot at his restaurant he can he has a say of who gets hired and who doesn't. And, uh, by, as we move into act two, you realize like, that's, that's not quite how it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think part of the point is like, not everyone is who they pretend to be in high school. Yeah. Like Um, Linda, Mike Linda. Is the whole, the whole thing, do you think that's phony or did she really have some guy she knew? I, I feel like she did. I feel like.
1: I feel like she does have the, Doug, the boyfriend from college. Yeah. But I don't think it's, I like, I wouldn't be shocked if Doug was, had another girlfriend in college. And right. She probably. was the girl that when he came home, like he yeah. dates her. Yeah. She's the high and, school side piece. And she idolizes him and their relationship and thinks it's this mature adult relationship and yeah. wants to kind of push all the high school stuff away mm-hmm. but she's still in it yeah
0: yeah See, linda's perspective is so you know you knew a linda someone like who had um this view of of how adults operate and how you should operate because you can emulate them and mm-hmm. this is what adults do and this is what, what a mature relationship looks like and she doesn't know she has no perspective she's right She's emulating something she's seen but she doesn't know what what's the best thing for her you not know? yeah. like anybody you know you're trying to figure it out like the, what Stacy's doing she's giving trying to give Stacy like this is what you do da 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 but Stacy's not going to follow Linda's path that that way of how to approach guys and and be happy in a relationship
1: Linda's the one with kind of the more sad storyline because yeah. at the end she gets dumped she gets dumped and basically. what she left with
0: yeah nothing she's got to work at the pizza place again
1: I like how I, I do like how their her friendship with Stacy remains strong. Yeah. And there's no like typical Hollywood moment where like they kinda turn on each other or one sleeps with the guy that the other one liked and like yeah. there's none of that shit.
0: Yeah, no drama between them.
1: Yeah. Um and she, you know, Linda gets revenge on Damone on behalf of Stacy yeah. who won't do it. Yeah. She put she uh, And not even for impre- not for impregnating her, but for Disappearing when it was time to go to the clinic. Yeah, yeah,
0: and That's have the abortion. A, I mean, yeah, he didn't step up. The, what, I think what I was disappointed is Damone ends up being a worse person by the end than mm-hmm. than you thought. Like you knew he's like a hustler and a you know just a a, fa- a fast talker, but when it was time to actually like do the right thing, he he's terrible. Like he's a bad person, kind
1: of. But I think well, I don't know if he's a bad person. I'm well, not a bad. I, I see person. it more as, as as what I said before about panicking. Mm -hmm. From not being scared, I think being scared that not knowing how to handle that, not physically not having the money to do it, and not knowing how to react to that either. Yeah, well, and I can
0: understand that, but there's no. See, the thing is, he doesn't make up for it. The you know he gets his resolution by apologizing to Rat. (laughs) Like, yeah, so like because Rat gave him shit. What did you do? He basically figured out the whole abortion thing. Obviously, people know or whatever. He knows that he didn't do the right thing rat was mad that they even had sex and then you know they resolve it he apologizes to his friend like sorry he never talks to her (laughs) like he doesn't do anything to make up for it for her so he'll remain that little prick like the way that what linda called him yeah like and that's kind of what happens in high school though like you you find your closest ally and at least that's strong and maybe you're gonna be you're just gonna remain the asshole Mm -hmm. to this other person for the rest of your life yeah I've done that. I've been that guy, <laughs> not in this situation, but I know there's people that don't like me and they're very justified in it. And it's maybe because I was too immature or too scared to do, mm. do or say the right thing. You know, um, it kind of sucks. Yeah. Like you can't really fix it and it doesn't matter. I mean, you're not, you're probably not in their, their headspace at all. Yeah. Like they, I'm sure there's plenty of people that I think who probably don't have positive feelings for me. They probably, I'm sure don't think about me like and in, in, by any at this point in our lives um but i, I imagine it's got to be a a passing thought when you think about high school or think about sure. whatever you. Like, yeah. oh yeah and like you kind of go through your mental checklist of who were your friends and who you had experiences with
1: well just saying high school like it, it's gonna something pops in your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> head faces you know images sure you know feelings mm-hmm. faces faces images
0: feelings <laughs> reconsimation
1: <laughs> <laughs> t-shirt t-shirt time curtis curtis <laughs> get, get, get drawing <laughs> get drawing that i'm still waiting for our Kurtz corner uh image oh we should do yeah. a Kurtz corner today we can um what else about this movie and is damon damon is the only one that lives in an apartment too did you catch that
0: well they say that but, and yeah, he comes out of an apartment building, but what's weird is that Stacy called his mom and then Stacy... No, I think
1: him and his family live in an apartment.
0: Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant he himself. No. Like, like... Yeah, so they don't live in a house. So
1: they don't... They don't have money. Money is a big thing for him. Yeah. That he always wants to be perceived as having lots of money when in reality he has right. little or none. Right, right, right. They all live in houses. Like, I don't think any of my friends lived in an in apartments growing up yeah no
0: no not me either yeah
1: not in the suburbs not in the suburbs right yeah not that there weren't apartments but most people there lived in houses well
0: back then people could have formed homes
1: even better so if you're living a house for twenty thousand dollars
0: yeah i mean and there were probably it doesn't matter uh yeah you're right like he he lives a certain way um Slow, little bits get revealed about him and all these characters. Yeah.
1: Like there's lots of little tidbits that you just have to kind of catch mm-hmm. that make these characters deeper than you realize. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's just overall, there's a lot going on with these characters. Uh, and I think Heckerling and Cameron Crowe were the right mix of people working on this project. Yeah. You know, as you'll see with, with, Teen movies, all the way through the '80s and '90s, uh, when there's not a real emotional core to it, it's just it's just fluff. Mm-hmm. It's just porkies.
0: Yeah, it's just gags and you know, and hijinks. Yeah, gags and
1: hijinks. Zapped,
0: maybe. Zapped a, a Scott Bayo film. Willie mm. Willie Ames.
1: Uh, and there's there's other stuff that's going on that's that also helps boost this movie uh, to a higher profile. The soundtrack is a huge. I mean, this was. I can't think of a of a soundtrack prior to this that's like as rock and roll heavy, mm. pop culture heavy.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Like this is very. I great. mean, maybe
1: maybe Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah, like that has. Uh, that's rockin'. <laughs> the Deer Hunter.
0: Yes, <laughs> it's great tunes. No, there's
1: there's great soundtracks, obviously prior to this, and yeah. and, um, but this has a lot of pop culture. <laughs> uh, stuff going on in it mm-hmm. and it was a big point of debate between Cameron Crowe who was heavily involved with Rolling Stone and the whole music business yeah. as he toured with you know the Allman Brothers and, and uh, Led Zeppelin and and all these famous bands mm-hmm. uh, so he knows that world very well and had a very particular sound that he envisioned for this movie that Heckling was completely on board with mm-hmm. but Irving uh, Irwin Azoff the producer used to be the manager for the Eagles. Oh. So he was pushing, the studio is pushing to have it be a very Eagles heavy, um, <laughs> you know, soundtrack, uh, which is a different
0: God, a vibe.
1: Yeah. Vibe then, <laughs> you know, he wanted Oingo Boingo and, and, you know, half, about half of the bands that end up on the soundtrack yeah. were what Crow wanted. Yeah. and, and, Azov kind of backed off on it, and instead of doing Eagles songs, he let the all the guys, the band members from the Eagles, put solo songs. Oh, cool! Okay. Yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a Don Henley song, and yeah. you know they're they're they they've each got one on there.
0: There's just so much music on this on this thing, and uh, I don't think I think I read like there's no original score to the movie at all. Not at all. Like no. there's no score. Right? Yeah, whatsoever. So it's just any music you hear is an original or is. You know, a rock and tune,
1: and and it, but it helps keep the energy light. Mm-hmm. You know, with with a score, I think it was a really smart move to keep it a lighthearted movie. Mm-hmm. With a score, you're going to get dramatic, especially with the Stacey stuff. You're going to come yep. way down, way further than you want. Mm-hmm. And that you know, Heckerling is so good at that. We talked about it on Clueless about keeping it at a really you know a, a nice energy, a nice smooth energy that you can stay with and it's not going to get over dramatic. Mm. They're comedies. Yeah. You know, she's making comedies. Yeah,
0: keep it light, keep it with like the the sounds of the time and the the energy of that. Yeah. yeah. It's it's yeah, smart move, definitely. I love it.
1: Uh should we uh I think we should talk a little BO, a little BO? box office. Okay. We'll talk we'll, we'll we'll talk about how it did and then kind of where it went after it, the the film's life after it was released. Okay. Uh, so, the movie had a $4.5 million budget.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Opening weekend. It opened uh, September 3rd, 1982 was when it went wide. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a $2.5 million opening weekend, and its domestic run was uh, a little over $27 million. Oh, not bad. So, that's Frady-tool? a big... That is a That is a much bigger number than the studio expected it to be.
0: Oh, yeah. It had some... It's staying power.
1: Well, they, they never understood it. Mm-hmm. Universal didn't didn't get the movie they couldn't see where it was going they ha- could not identify you know there, there was an older generation that really couldn't identify with 80s teenagers for sure yeah uh, and th- there was a there was a moment where they were actually not going to release it and they were just going to shelve it oh my gosh so what they did was when they put it out they only put it in like 200 screens and then it probably was overwhelmed. which was the month prior in August uh-huh. was, they just put it out they're like burn, burn it off get rid of it and it in those 200 screens, just they were like sold out all the time. They loved like, it. People were reacting like crazy. Oh, so crazy. they they were forced to widen its release.
0: Yeah, they could they could they could duplicate that money all over the country. Oh yeah, yeah. There's but teens ne- everywhere. Even
1: then, they just didn't get it. They're like, this is now making us a lot of money, but mm-hmm. and we don't understand why. But and they actually at the end of the day, they they called Crow in to try to understand what it was they were missing.
0: I don't... Well, I mean...
1: They were trying to figure out what in their minds they're not getting about this movie of why this is a hit so Mm -hmm. they can market it into the next movie. Oh, I see. You know. Okay. Right, I guess... Which was just great of them. So nice.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There was Um, a lot to learn there.
1: Yeah. Uh, This opened at number three that weekend. Mm -hmm. Can you guess what was one and two? Do you know?
0: That weekend in September? Yeah. Probably... Oh, I don't know. No, I don't know. What what number one?
1: Yeah. Friday the Thirteenth Part Three.
0: Uh, Okay, that was number one.
1: Yeah, and number two, a reissue of Star Wars. Oh wow! So tough to beat those Mm -hmm. with the the juggernauts that they were. But did I mean this movie did very very well? Uh, 1982 is a huge year for movies. So, this movie ends up at number twenty nine of the year. Not bad, but well, I mean, it's not. It doesn't sound that great, but there was a lot of movies out that year, a lot and a lot of movies that have stood the test of time too. Oh, yeah. but then, Do you know what are the top ten of the movie? Any, of, uh, any name? Any of them? E. T.'s got to be number one. It is, yeah. Uh, was uh, let's see, Blade Runner was out that year. No, but Blade not, Runner not top ten. I mean, Blade Runner wasn't top ten. No, Blade Runner is eighty two. Yeah. Um, Tootsie, Tootsie, number two, yeah uh let's see no star wars movie no indiana jones movie uh-huh. poltergeist
0: poltergeist yeah number eight nice work okay yeah so like yeah iconic long lasting yeah rocky three also Oh, rocky three yeah Por- porkies first blood uh rock uh i don't know first blood was 13th yeah yeah so um annie 10
1: annie who star- wait what was number
0: four Number four, uh, no, sorry. So actually, Tootsie was two. Officer and Gentleman was three. Right. Rocky three was fourth. Porky's fifth.
1: Porky's. The, I'll shit on Porky's all the time. Good.
0: Sucks. <laughs> uh, Star Trek two. Yes. Forty eight
1: hours, which we were mentioning uh, last well, week. Yeah. On our part left. of the part of the HCU. <laughs>
0: yeah. Poltergeist, best little Whorehouse in Texas, and Annie. Top ten. What a top ten for. Yeah. And also, just obviously, tons of. Movies in 80s yeah, I mean, like you said.
1: Blade Runner the Thing. There's a lot of movies that grew over time. Conan the Barbarian. Yeah. The Dark Crystal.
0: For the toy. The toy. Tron. Which we mentioned on our Tron episode.
1: We did mention it in our Tron. <laughs> I think we mentioned a few of these movies back yeah. then on our last episode. But anyway. Uh, but this this shows up all the way at number twenty nine, right between sandwiched between Airplane Two, mm-hmm. which is better than people think. I, I'm I'm Agreed. a fan of Airplane Two. Agreed. And some kind of hero. With Dustin Hoffman? Yeah. Yeah. Is it? I think so. That can't be right. No. Did we'll it? cut that. I can't be right. We'll cut it. It's at Richard Breyer. <laughs> Um, he
0: was in The Toy and Some Kind of Hero in the
1: same What movie? a year for Pryor. Pryor. Uh, it ends up as, it for box office for high school movies in general, mm-hmm. which there have been many, mm-hmm. uh, this is number 31, right between The New Guy mm. and Can't Hardly Wait. Oh, okay. Which is another great movie down the road we're going to get Love to that. Love Can't one. Hardly Wait. Yeah.
0: Here, uh, Are you pulling that from the the... The mojo, the box office mm-hmm, mojo. Yeah, I think there's a flaw in their
1: high school rankings. Okay, well, what are you seeing?
0: Wait, let me double check because I looked at this before. Because they they consider their number one comedy based high school based comedy, uh, Spider Man Homecoming, <laughs> which yeah, he's in high school. He's in high school, but it's, it's not, not a, a high school comedy.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> it's com- it's got comedic elements. So there, so there, there's right, a, a flaw. Little, there's a flaw that they. Uh...
0: But I mean, if you're gonna go with next best, there after that would be 21 Jump Street, uh, which uh, which is pretty good with Tatum and
1: and Hill. Would you consider? I guess yeah, you yeah, kind they're of have in to high school it and high it's school. funny. Yeah, <laughs>
0: they're
1: not they're not teenagers, but yeah, it is funny.
0: After that, okay, super bad about teenagers and that's so that's the, actually the number one movie. About teenagers uh, uh, in, in high, high school,
1: school yeah. yeah. So super bad, you know. Super bad was a big movie, it's huge movie, huge,
0: huge, in 2007. Where's Bueller in there? Bueller's up there, uh, number eighth, uh, uh-huh. number eighth with those bullshit movies at top. Uh, but yeah, with 70 million. Wow. Well, anyway, that's the box office talk here at Reconciliation.
1: And you know, critics didn't have an amazing reaction to the movie. It was mostly positive, but but kind of mild, kind of like right in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um they acknowledged the fresh faces the and the good performances. Yeah. Um and it was that it was a new spin on a teen movie mm-hmm. that ha- hadn't been done. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think they really like loved the movie as a whole at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this movie would fairly quickly as you got deeper into the 80s, I think the appreciation w- rose for this film. Mm-hmm. Just not right when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um and Looking at it from, from a modern perspective, I feel like this movie holds up really well because of how Crow and Hackerling approach the characters. Mm-hmm. And they don't, you know, it doesn't, the movie doesn't talk down to them. It's mm-hmm. their movie. Mm-hmm. We exist in their world. Yes. Again, no adults. There's no, uh, you know, adults kind of force other than Mr. Hand, who we haven't even mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, played by the great Ray Walston. Yes is the really one adult character that has an impact, and it's specifically with Spicoli. Right. He doesn't right. interact with any of the other characters, really.
0: Yeah, yeah there's no meaningful it there. Yeah. Nothing meaningful there.
1: But it's their journey that you're going with, and um, and like we said, it's authentic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't. It's not condescending to the teenage experience. It, it's no. respectful of it and you know, values that their issues are important, too.
0: Mm-hmm. I think this is this is the this opens the door for John Hughes to really come in and, and bring in the new the new take on teens. Yeah. Right? I mean this is Yeah.
1: The... I, I mean if Animal House like kind of like gave him the spark to start getting into film, mm-hmm. this was I think helped drive it home for him. Right. Um because right around this time he's he'd already written Mr. Mom and and Breakfast Club is is coming. Yeah. And exactly. that's to me that's his that's his ultimate film probably
0: yeah i think so yeah in that same vein of uh of treating characters as real people and and it, you know this one is great because of, there's no um adult morality imposing itself on what the, the activities of these teens yeah you know there's no judgment here about what they're doing we make our we we make our own judgments ourselves as viewers but the movie isn't saying anything about these people about what they do. This is just what they're doing,
1: mm-hmm. and that's refreshing. It's yeah. great.
0: There's no you don't have to take a message from it. Right? They're not telling you how to feel about these guys. You're, yeah, just you're just witnessing them.
1: Yeah, you're witnessing it and experiencing it with them.
0: Yeah. So.
1: And and again, there's so much truth to these characters. They all you know, they all feel like real people. They all mm-hmm. come from a real place. Mm-hmm. You know, like we said, you you know a lot of these people mm-hmm. or someone very close to them. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think you know. I think it's I. I do feel like it's timeless. I mean, on the surface, it's super 80s, you know, super, super early 80s. -hmm. But underneath it, it's I I think teens go through that are always going through that.
0: Yep. You'll always. This is a very relatable movie. Mm
1: -hmm. That self-identification, the sexual issues, the, Mm -hmm. you know, all all the struggles that teenagers are Mm going to go through are kind of pop in this. Mm hmm. Um, where do you compare this to kind of the other big teenage movies globally like American Graffiti and Dazed and Confused Mm. do you feel like it fits in with those
0: Uh, I mean yeah absolutely because it's sort of of its time sort of like American Graffiti is you know of the time it's trying to portray particularly you know American Graffiti is one thing that's identifiable by a certain generation um, still those teen issues. I think when we talk, I and I think we talked about this on our days and the confused episode, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, this one's probably more relatable to, to us because it's just closer to us mm-hmm. and, and a little more authentic, I think. Yeah. Um, and less nostalgic about like, it's not, um, looking at teenage years as some sort of, uh, through some certain lens, it's you know it showing modern teenagers, which yeah. is like graffiti, which is sort of a nostalgic look at life yes. for these people who made this movie. Um, I think
1: that's a pro. I'm th- that's the problem with American graffiti. I'm yeah. not a giant fan of it. Yeah, but, it, it's an it's really it's a love of the 1950s yeah. or I'm sorry, early 60s. Yeah like that's what that movie's about it's about loving that not about the real issues at the heart of these the characters
0: yeah yeah it's it's about like wasn't it just great to be young in this time at this time in america yeah which is like what the boomers (laughs) that's their life yeah that that's all they do no offense to the boomer listeners out there but you know i think that nostalgia plays very heavy uh for that generation and uh you know dazed is dazed almost crosses to that but i think there's an authenticity to the, the dazed characters so a love of that era for dazed i think is happening but also with authentic characters mm-hmm. and then this is just a, a modern
1: portrayal of teens at the time
0: so it's really it's weird it's really in between both worlds of, yeah of it, yeah films, you know?
1: it is it's a nice bridge between them but uh because this isn't
0: a love letter dazed is still a love letter to that time i think yeah the early seventies,
1: yeah, uh, but again, I think those are there's still identifiable things in days. Well, for well sure. like I said, like yeah. there's
0: there's authentic characters. It's right. it's 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 well done. Right. Um, but this um, Fast Times isn't really a love letter to being a teenager in um, mm-hmm. in the eighties. It's just here are teenagers today. Yeah. Uh, it's like it's like watching a, what I imagine would be like a Nickelodeon show about kids today would look really weird to kids 10 years later because there's nothing really authentic about a you know a nickelodeon show but mm. it'd be like oh that's what kids were like in 10 years ago and i'm sure it's very strange yeah you know what i mean
1: yeah well i know this one ranks pretty high on my personal teenage uh, film my high school film list so is it above or below spider-man homecoming for you? <laughs> <laughs> pretty far above okay pretty, <laughs> although i i enjoy that movie uh-huh. um no, for me, it's it's you know Breakfast Club, Ferris Bueller. Uh, well, I don't. I wouldn't put Weird Science up there. That's got some. There's some issues with that one. Yeah. Uh, Clueless. This. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I this one. Th- this and Clueless are kind of right neck and neck with me. Mm-hmm. This probably does rank ahead of that one. But, okay. Yeah, I can see that. You know, Ten Things I Hate About You. Mm. Can't hardly wait. Right. Yeah, those yeah. are all up there. Mm. But. And then there's also a lot of things I don't know if you couldn't do it the same way today. They they it was a partially a product of its time. Yeah. You know, these are teenage, these are underage teenagers, the characters. The characters. Yes. Um you couldn't show them having sex like this.
0: No, I guess not. Are you not supposed to? I don't know what the rules are. Yeah,
1: it's it's a little I and
0: I, I you know, I don't know. You don't see a lot of that, but well you
1: don't see it like they don't they don't want that being shown they don't want to show underage because you see Jennifer Jason Lee and there was a full uh, shot of Robert Mm Romanus fully nude that they they made them cut that out oh really they told them you can either you either cut him out you know his full frontal nudity out or you cut the the carrots and blowjob scene
0: oh wow they were they were going to show him in full frontal yeah in eighty. Jesus Christ uh, that's crazy. But yeah. no, they, I think even the blowjob scene is probably better. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Which, yeah, you can't do that. And even today. that
1: scene, you can't do that. You couldn't show Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool and taking her top off, which is, again, like the iconic moment of the movie.
0: But is it because
1: the characters are minors? Because the characters are minors. Got it, got it, got it, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. there's you, so many boobs in the even like not that they don't handle the sex issue, but they it's not as graphic in modern mm. material, oh, for sure, yeah, that's what it is, like you can't see it like mm-hmm. you can't see an underage girl's breasts right, even though the, even though the actresses were over were of age, but yes. the characters were,
0: yeah, and I think that's a responsible way to do these kinds of things mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to be explicit and, and implicit is fine <laughs> yeah. you know in terms of getting your point across that's and i think that part of it is i wonder like it was Heckerling sort of i don't know how did she actually feel about showing that like was is it more empowering to show these girls this way you know i'm i'm curious well like, i don't
1: think she had a problem with it because because of the context of where it is in the film i mean it's right. brad's fantasy
0: well that or jennifer jason lee just being totally nude and and she was on the couch like
1: which she was very comfortable according to the what i have researched Uh jennifer jason lee had no problem doing that scene she was like completely into it so i think that's cool a a lot of times if the actors are really comfortable then the directors have are okay with it as well sure sometimes it's doesn't work that way but But
0: i think like it's because again there's like a flaw in the script of like uh what's his face apologizing to his homie instead of apologizing to stacy you know where that would have kind of completed that that arc uh or for him you know at least in a better way yeah it's not exactly like the most feminist way not that i'm trying to impose a feminist look at it but it is like this woman director is trying to show like what modern teens are like as and what they think about you know based on his book mm-hmm. but you know i i wonder where sh- she was like wh- whether she's just totally fine with it had no issues you know because obviously like the generations evolve and the the views of of feminism and and what needs to be what's appropriate and and what's too far uh they evolve so was she just you know of her generation Kind of thing, yeah. I don't think like okay with these things because they're fine; they're harm they're more harmless than you think.
1: Yeah, I guess. Th- that that wasn't the purpose of these characters and the movie, like a- especially oh, of at the time. You know, she wasn't she was not there's no feminist statement even attempting to be made?
0: Not that, but just like again, like you know, why doesn't Stacy? And I guess maybe that, maybe that's the point in high school. You are not getting the satisfaction. I think that's I think that's exactly I, the point. I guess, yeah.
1: In in reality, that's almost. Exactly what would happen is he, that guy would not, he would just avoid her and probably never talk to her again and never circle back. And then they will be at their 20 year high school reunion (laughs) and there'll be a very awkward interaction. And maybe he'll apologize then and she'll have moved on and it's fine. You recently
0: had your 20 year (laughs) reunion. I'm not saying that happened. What are you saying?
1: (laughs) I'm not saying that happened with me. Let me, not you, but what, what what tea do you want to spill on your classmates? (laughs) Um, I got to go. <laughs>
0: uh, and then, of course, the abortion. Big, uh, yeah. big issue. Yeah. Uh, well, it's always an issue.
1: It, yeah. And it's, again, it's not handled in a super dram- heavy, dramatic fashion. It's just, it's a problem that she has to deal with and she deals with it mm-hmm. and moves on. And it's not really, they don't go there again. Yeah. Now it's a, you know, it's a, it, I, I think it would be shown as a very dramatic situation
0: yeah because well and i think part of it is is it's understanding that it is a a very um a very significant choice to be made and there's a psychology to it instead of ignoring the ramifications like it's not just solving a problem like we need to have this abortion and now everything's fine it's we've we've learned since these days that there's a trauma that is involved that affects uh, women who, who make this choice. Yeah. It's, and sometimes
1: it doesn't affect them till way later. Yeah. Like it hits them way later in life that, yeah. you know, the ramifications of what happened. Yeah,
0: exactly. So
1: it's not, it isn't
0: just a simple, it's never a simple choice, yeah. even if it is the most convenient or, or easiest. It's just, it's not simple. It's complex. Yeah. And, and there was no, t- there's no way to address that. There's, that's not the point because it is this slice of life if you, if you followed up on all these characters 10 years later you could they'd all be very different people mm-hmm. no matter what so uh yeah
1: yeah but it'd be interesting well and they did do a uh well I'll mention the <laughs> TV series that called Fast Times that Ooh. uh came out I think 2 years later. Oh okay. With the, the only actors from the movie are uh, Ray Wals the adults, the oh, two yeah. adults.
0: Yeah, you'd have to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but all they re, they recast all the teens. Um Did they do the characters? Patrick Dempsey is in it. Oh. Yeah.
0: Interesting. I didn't see I didn't know about this. Yeah. <laughs> Fast Times. It's, so the same uh,
1: characters though? Same characters, yeah. Was Dempsey Spicoli? Dempsey, no. Uh, oh, I just blanked on the actress name who plays Spicoli. Uh, Dempsey is. How oh, was he? Uh,
0: Demone, I think. Really? Uh, let me look it up. Look it up. Looking it up. Courtney Thorne Smith. Courtney
1: Thorne Smith is is uh, Stacy. Wow. Claudia Wells was Linda. Yep. From Back to the Future.
0: Huh. James Nardini was uh, Brad.
1: And yeah, he's on the Larry. He was on Larry Sanders show. You'd recognize him.
0: Oh, Dean Cameron was Jeff Spicoli. Dean yes. Cameron
1: from oh. uh, uh, the Mark Harmon movie from, from Summer School. Summer School. Yeah, played Chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not a successful show. It only went one season. Mm-hmm. You know, very similar to Delta House that we talked about Delta on our House. Animal House episode. Yes, uh, but I would be interested. I think we're well past it, but if they ever did something where you'd see where these characters are later in their life, you know, Mm -hmm. now they'd be heading towards grandparents instead of parents, but that's true. Yeah. A little makeup, you know, you could make them parents again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so I, I highly recommend it. If you haven't seen, you know, we just spoiled everything for you, but if you haven't seen fast times, Give it a shot. It's a great, you know, it's a it's a good energy, a good tone. If you like Cameron Crowe films, you definitely have to see it. Mm-hmm. If you like Clueless, I would say check it out as well.
0: Yeah, I think it's 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 required viewing for the, the Heckerling fans. Mm-hmm. You know, she has she only has so many movies, but uh, yeah, I think it's it's definitely worth a look. I, I, you know, I don't know when I'll I'll have the the urge to watch Fast Times again, but. Uh, well you just did so
1: you're good for a little while i'm
0: probably good for 10 years
1: but if you haven't (laughs) seen it since you know since whatever 20 years give it a shot it's 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 a good commentary on the teen life teen life yeah
0: which i think is a magazine
1: but a great cast and uh you know all of them or most of them went on to have successful careers yeah um I'd be interested to see what the judge is up to these days. We haven't seen him in a while, the judge. but Jennifer Jason Lee, you know, a couple of years ago was able to have a career resurgence. She's always been great. Mm-hmm. Um, and a nice lady as well. Um,
0: yeah. I, I, I got to say, uh, Damone, Robert Romanus. Yeah. I just love his voice. I just gotta say, he oh, got to say, oh yeah, the way he carries it himself with that voice. I wish I he's a working actor. He's 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 always working apparently, mm-hmm. but uh I just I just thought like I totally get him with that the charisma that he had for that. It yeah, was like, it was really neat. Yeah. He really stands out with that that voice. I mean, yeah. I'm a big fan. I meant to mention that earlier.
1: Well maybe we'll have to get him on the show if get you like out. his voice so much.
0: I bet he lives here in,
1: in LA, I bet. Probably. He works. Doesn't everybody? Every Every Everyone's, working actor lives in LA. Everyone loves and lives in LA. Yeah if they know what they're doing loving and living in la yeah. that's the, our spinoff show <laughs> yeah um but yeah. all right so all right let's get out of here. yeah let's uh I it's time go. we, we got to get back to school ourselves you've re-enrolled you're uh mm-hmm. taking those classes at what grade is that you some you missed some classes growing up you're going mm-hmm. back
0: yeah i never uh finished the sixth grade
1: you're doing the billy madison thing yeah right yeah. the billy I mean, madison test
0: yeah i yeah. gotta do that so <laughs> gotta study I got my trapper keeper. Yeah, uh, ready to take some notes.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be cool. Uh, and everybody else who's listening, getting ready for school again. Hey, good luck out there. Good luck. It's it a tough. Sucks. One. Yeah. <laughs> school sucks. Happy to be done. Oh God. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> Jeez. Don't forget to check us out on our social media on uh, Facetime and Facebook. No, Facebook is that what it's called? Yep. Twitter, Instagram uh, reconsideration podcast, uh, check us out on iTunes and give us a five star rating and review. It helps the show and, uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, want to thank Curtis again, the great poster and our, of course, our good friend EK Wimmer, who might be coming out to LA if I can convince him to around Halloween time. Oh, and he'll spooky. be, we're going to get him on the show. If he gets out here, spooky. yeah. Um, uh, yeah so that's uh, that's it we're gonna be back in a couple of weeks with a another fresh episode yay so stay tuned bye now